What did the world tell you about yourself that you've been harboring since the time of its inception? Was it that you're not smart enough? Not pretty enough? Your body wasn't right? On this episode of Putting Attention to Intention, we talk about the impact of the words used to describe us when we were young. Sort of like branding us like a permanent tattoo for a lifetime. It's not the words that have the most impact. It's what the words do to you. We talk about how these labels have you acting and behaving in a certain manner. And once you begin to realize the labels placed on you and remove the heavy boulder laid on you by the world, it's amazing what will show up in your life. Join me now. Welcome to our community, friends. I am thrilled that you have found your way here. If you're feeling directionless, frustrated, unfulfilled, as if you're just going through the motions of life, you have made your way to the right place. My name is Megan Miller. I offer high-performing go-getters simple daily micro-steps for putting attention to intention so they can stop sleepwalking through life and start living with more inspiration and fulfillment. I know because I've been there. I was there the majority of my life, sleepwalking through life, being the woman everyone wanted me to be, and feeling that I was just meant to do more. That is until I got brave and still enough to really uncover what I wanted. And I'm here to share my lessons with you to help you navigate through your own journey. Together, we will share small practical steps that will help you maximize how you show up in the world to create a life that you're passionate about. Welcome to putting attention to intention. So I've been a little spotty the last two weeks with connecting with you all. And that is because if you did not know, I got married. And, uh, you know, I have to tell you, for someone who at one point in my life, didn't think this would be possible. I remember very vividly after my last breakup in my mid-30s, thinking that, you know, maybe the husband, the the white picket fence, suburbia, maybe that wasn't in the cards for me. And now I think back and I think, God, what a lonely, dark place I must have been in to think that that was my only option for my future. And if I could just go back and grab that version of me and just hug her so tight and tell her, Meg, it's all going to work out beautifully. Have you ever had that where you think about your younger self and what you would tell him or her if you could go back in time? And I actually, not too long ago, I wrote my younger self a letter and it was really emotional, but it was also very freeing and cathartic. So I I would highly recommend it. And listen, there's no format to it. Just put pen to paper. Think of your younger self and what you would have want to tell him or her and just let the words flow from your soul onto paper. So, um, you know, so here I am, 37, getting married for the first time. And it has proven to me that life has a very interesting way of always giving you what you need in the end. It took me a long road to get here and to get this man and to feel good about myself 
And there was hell of a lot of turmoil along the way. But yeah, I tell you, as I stand here today, I wouldn't change a thing. So here we are at the rehearsal dinner. And I caught myself like I was at a work event, you know, work in the room, making sure everyone was taken care of. And through this time, I just have these constant thoughts like parading, marching through my mind. Is everyone having a good time? I was like desperately searching the room for smiles and for laughter. So much so that I probably ate half my meal, which looked delicious. Now, I did have 75 glasses of champagne because, hey, why not? A girl's got to live. But I even I even caught myself on my wedding day in the back of my mind thinking, is everyone liking the food? Are they having fun? You know, uh, are they enjoying are they enjoying themselves? And on a day that is so special to me and one I waited a lifetime for. Here I am worried about everyone else. And it got me thinking, why does this burden of appeasing everyone so much hang over me like a dark cloud on even the sunniest of days? And here, my friends, is what I realized. At a young age, I felt responsible for my mother's happiness. And that that is of no fault of her own. She is an incredible woman, incredible mother, and I have taught have learned so much from her, but, but that is how I felt. And that has since brought the burden of this sort of appease machine that I am. And, you know, during that time, the world had told me, or at least the way I had interpreted it was that my job was to make sure that everyone around me was okay. My friends, I ask you, What has the world told you about yourself that you've been harboring since the time of its inception? Was it that you're not pretty enough? Was it that you're not smart enough? Was it that your body wasn't right? And listen, while I have felt all of these things at multiple times throughout my life, for years and years, the one that had stuck with me and, and still to this day was the not feeling smart enough. You know, I, I still struggle with that. There are times that I'll sit in a room and even to today, and I've had a great flourishing career climbing the corporate ladder. And there are still times that I'll sit in a room or in today's world over a Zoom meeting and think to myself, these people know that I'm not smart. I know that's what they're thinking. And that all stemmed from growing up. My brother was the smart one. He was labeled smart. He was gifted. He was athletic. He was a, a drawer. Uh, you know, he, I just felt like he, as a kid, he had all of these talents. And here I was, chubby, uncoordinated. I remember this one. <laughs> and this, This likes to be a family tell story about how I once in seventh grade wanted to sign up for basketball, and I was so bad at it that I played when people went to get snacks. And by played, I mean I ran up and down the court like twice before I was asked to get off the court. So that was my, that's my athleticism growing up, okay? Okay. 
Uh, and, you know, and I would also have to study my ass off just to get a C. And all of that has lived with me for years. Looking back, it's, it's funny how it's not really the words that have the most impact. It's what the words do to you. And we all have this desire to, air quote, be good in the world, right? You know, we, we all want to be accepted, welcomed, praised, know that we're doing the, air quote, right thing. So we never really speak of these things that we harbor. They're just kind of things we carry with us like a battle wound. That's partially because we didn't have the language. When you think about it, 99.9% of these labels that we were given, they happen when we're young and we just don't know the words to use. So we get frustrated, we act out, we get angry, we cry, and then we start to behave in a certain way. My friends, I ask you, how are you acting out in ways that you may not even be aware of? One of the ways for me, and there are many, but one of the things, you know, as I got older, my sort of acting out or the way I behaved was one example in the form of relationships. Everyone was in relationships. It, 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 I remember at a certain point in my life where all my girlfriends were dating and I had said, no, thanks. Don't want one. And looking back now, I can see that that was partially because of the walls that I had built up for protection. But even when I was in a relationship, it would be horrible. And I look back now in my late 30s and I think to myself, Meg, what the hell is wrong with you? Have you ever had that? It doesn't really even need to be a relationship. It could be any decision that you made throughout your life. And you look back and you think, God, you schmuck. Like, what? What the hell were you thinking? Um, that's the way I feel when I look back at, at 90% of my relationship decisions pre-Michael. And I think, God, what, what was wrong with you? Did you really hate yourself that bad that you stuck around in that relationship after they treated you like garbage? I would be like a beaten puppy dog. The more you would air quote abuse me. Now I was never physically abused, but the more that you would tell me that you didn't like me or the more that you would slough me off, the hotter I just came in because I would think to myself, I'm going to get you to like me. Right. Well, and we could go down a whole course on that. But what I want to get back to is that when you think about the relationships you have, it's a direct correlation to what growing up you experience love to look like. And that is the same with community around you. When you think about the community that you grew up in and that you were around, it becomes what you're used to and what you know. So you behave in such a way that aligns with that community's expectations. Now, I, I think back to where I grew up, right? very, very small very blue collar town in central Pennsylvania. And when I go back there, one of my best, best girlfriends lives there. And when I go back to see her, I catch myself 
acting the same way I did when I was 16, using the same language, behaving in the same manner. And when you're back in that environment, it has a way of drawing that out of you. My friends, I'm here to tell you that we can be a saving grace for each other and help us demolish those childhood wounds that became etched into us like a permanent tattoo. And I think the first the first step to breaking that label is really understanding how did the world label you when you were young? You know, taking the time for self-awareness. Are you even aware of this label that you've been carrying around? How are you acting in a way that aligns with that label? And how are you not being kind to yourself? The world is full of harsh words and critics. Yours shouldn't be in the mix. A lot of our struggle in life comes from trying to be in these molds, right? That the world created for us, which, as we discussed, was at such a young age. And one of the things that I thought of most recently that I wanted to share with you was the story about my stepson, who was 21 at the time. He was in his final year of college, or so we thought. And he comes to his parents and he says, I'm depressed. I no longer want to be in school. I I really hate it here. I want to drop out. Now, immediately after picking your heart up off the floor, because who wants to see their 21-year-old depressed? I mean, this should be such a great and exciting time in your life. Your heart, your heart sinks. And one of the places that my mind went to was really how important a degree is in life and how life can be so much easier when you just have that piece of paper. And then later, I thought to myself, oh my God, I'm, I'm doing to Nick what so many of us do to those we love. We think that they should go down a certain path. And we, we say it with the best intentions, but what we think their path should be isn't what, what is right for them. So it took me some time to really understand that, one. And then two, I thought after I had some time to really digest and reflect on the situation, I thought of the courage that it must have taken Nick to speak these words of truth. You know, at, at, at that age, when I was 21, I didn't have the language to, or, or even the courage to have stepped forward to realize that I had control over my happiness and you know what that path should have looked like. I would have just probably forged through and, you know, most likely probably would have put a Band-Aid on the wound with some binge drinking and, and called it a day. But he didn't. He, he knew what he wanted. He, he listened to his intuition. He wanted to go to Lyman School in Florida, which he did. He graduated and he's currently working down there and he's the happiest I've ever seen him. He has found his people, his tribe, his community. And that's what I want to share with you, my friends. The moment that we remove the heavy boulder on our back laid on us by the world and the expectations of what we air quote should be, should do, 
the moment we let that go and we have fun, it's amazing what will show up in your life. And that's what I want for you. Don't be afraid to rewrite your story and start all over again. You may like this new story better. Let it be one that you write. Thank you for taking the time to be here and most importantly for taking the first step in investing in yourself. If you liked what you heard, please do share with your tribe. I'm a huge believer in the power of sharing content, especially when that message is around putting power back into your own life. I would love to hear from you all. If this episode meant something to you or you'd like to share something with our community, please send me a message on Instagram, megan.b.miller. Also, if you feel inclined, please comment and rate the podcast. It does make a difference in sharing our community. Till next time, carry on with intention.